This is BPN Radio, your 24-hour Internet prayer station with Dale Gentry and friends. Calling America to pray. A member of the Breakout Prayer Network. Let's pray, America. It's time now for the Warriors Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves here on BPN Radio. Second Chronicles 23.6 says, And all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Now, here's your host for the Warriors Watch, my friend, Callie Hargraves. Welcome to Warrior Watch. This is Pastor Callie Hargraves. We are so excited about being with you today, and we're so thankful for all the things that the Lord has done. I want to encourage you, if this is your first time to listen to BPN Radio, uh, to tune in, listen to all the programs. Uh, Dale, Dale and Jean Gentry are some of the finest Christians uh, in the world. Uh, he has been a prophetic voice across America for many years. They just celebrated 50 years in ministry. I've never known a finer man in my whole life. He is my spiritual father. I love him, and, and Jean is my spiritual mother. I love them so very much. So I want to encourage you to uh, get to know them, get to uh, make everything av- make your, avail yourself to hear everything that goes on. This is a network that is dedicated to raising up prayer warriors across America. Uh, I, I believe with all of my heart that prayer is the cornerstone of our Christian life, that without prayer we can do nothing effectively. Um, and I also believe that God is raising up prayer warriors across America, and I'm so happy to, to be able to do a small part to help encourage and endorse this ministry. Today, I have a wonderful guest with me, um, uh, De- Dusty Hammock, a friend of mine from uh, near Birmingham, Alabama. Actually, I got to know Dusty's wife, uh, who is an amazing woman of God, and and uh, I actually had Anne on before, and was just so loved her right off the bat, and knew I would love her husband, and then had an opportunity to meet her husband and hear him minister and and give give his heart, and so I wanted to invite him on the program today. Uh, he's written books, pastored churches, uh, he's in marketplace ministry. They are totally dedicated to uh, him and Anne, to serving God and and preaching the gospel and being what God has called them to be. And he, we're going to talk today about a subject that he's very passionate about, and it's Dream Again. So I want to introduce, introduce uh, D- uh, Dusty and have him tell you a little bit about himself and how... Um, how he came to, um, uh, he's actually in the process of writing a book, but came to, uh, how God gave him this message to be able to deliver to the church. So, Dusty, oh, go good for deal. it. Hey, thank you, Callie, so much. And I do appreciate the opportunity to speak to those today that, uh, you know, chose to to listen. And I don't think it's by accident that, uh, and I'll just speak to those who are listening today. You didn't listen by accident and uh, you're listening today for the purpose of uh, getting something that will change your life. And because of your hunger is why you're listening. And uh, that's what we believe today is that God has such a design, such a, a perfect word for you today that you'll just open your hearts and maybe just lean in a little bit today and listen into what uh, God will say through these next few minutes. And I do believe it can be life-changing because that's exactly uh, where my journey uh, has been over uh, my 58 years on the planet is learning 
the process of just leaning in, listening to God, and finding a new dream for every day. And, you know, this is, uh, Callie, that season of the year uh, where people are making maybe New Year's resolutions, and they're thinking about where they're headed in uh, 2017 and what's out there. And, you know, for some, time, for some people, uh, thinking about a plan can be very stressful. Uh, In fact, I ask people sometimes, I'll say, okay, you know, what are your plans for the new year? And it's, uh, you know, well, I don't know. We're thinking about some things. And, you know, you feel that uncomfortable moment where someone is struggling to dream. And uh, here's what I found. Sometimes uh, as your life uh, matures, as you get older, you forget how to engage the spirit-led imagination that God has given all of us, and uh, you can call it being a visionary or seeing, dreaming, looking into the future of where you want to go, whatever you want to call it, but God has given us that ability. I believe it's in our DNA, and I, I when I say DNA, I, I say that divine nature applied. That's God's nature in us, and we begin to dream like He did, and He began to think about us And he said he knew about us before we were ever born. He thought about us. We were in his mind. He had a vision of us, and he had a vision of every listener today on this this broadcast. He had a a vision for you, and he knew where you were going to be, and he was someone thinking about you long before you ever came to be. In fact, Psalm 139 says that, He knew about you so well um, that he wrote down all of your days in his book before one of them came to be. So God is a visionary. He's a dreamer, and he has put that same ability inside of us. But sometimes things happen in our life as we grow up to keep us from actually engaging in the very thing God has given us. And it just cuts our vision, cuts our ability to see into the future for what's going on. And I just, my kids, you know, and my grandkids and all of us around the the holiday season, and, you know, you hear someone ask the question, hey, what are you getting for Christmas? Or, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And you hear kids, my goodness, the moment you ask a kid that question, they can uh, spend 15 minutes giving you their list of things that yeah, they absolutely. want. Absolutely. Uh, but you ask someone that's 30 and above, and they begin to fumble through uh, well, I don't know, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this, maybe that, and, and they have a hard time doing it. And it has puzzled me, why is it that the older that we get, uh, the harder that it is to dream? So that's really what I want to talk about today is how that my own personal pain is what was my distraction from dreaming and how God's healing and his deliverance in my life uh, it unveiled, opened my eyes to see again the future and begin to dream like he dreams for my life and begin to get a vision for the future. So that's you know what's what? in my heart to, to begin talking about today. You know what, Dusty, I, I'm so excited to hear as you unpack this. This is this is going to be powerful today, and this is going to help a lot of people. It's going to help me. It's going to help anybody that's listening. I had the privilege, I was sitting at, at a dinner table last week, and there was we were entertaining guests uh, for our we celebrated our church cele- celebration of life celebrated our 15 year anniversary last Sunday, so we had some people uh, New Year's uh, Eve that we went to eat Mexican food and we're all sitting around the table, and I hear somebody that's near and dearer to my heart telling somebody their story. She's telling her story, mm-hmm. and and her story. Actually, I'd had a conversation with her a few days later where she said, 
she said to me, she said, and I'm going to be very careful because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to leak who it is, but she, yeah. she said to me, um, I had to lay down my dream because she, this, this particular person went through a divorce and her only dream in life, only dream, and she's amazingly talented, beautiful, can do a million things, but her only dream in life, and there's nothing wrong with this, was to be a wife and a mother. Yeah. That was her only she wants to serve God and be a wife and a mother. And then that came to an abrupt end. So she's telling somebody, and that, and she's used the words, that's my story. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, and I told her later, that is a chapter of your story. That's not your mm-hmm. story. God wants you to have a new dream. And I actually articulated those words before we even talked about what you were going to talk about. So I I definitely believe that is something that that God wants to tell the body of Christ. It's time to to learn. You know, we should learn from our pain. (laughs) We We shouldn't be slow learners. But we've got to leave the past in the past and allow God to resurrect the new. So this is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, uh, you know, our story is very important to understanding why we have a hard time dreaming. And so when I sit down with someone and I'm consulting them, uh, you know, we call it consulting in the marketplace. We call it counseling in the ministry, whatever you want to call it. But when we sit down and we begin to really help someone peel back the layers and find out, you know, what's really stopping this ability for you to to vision uh, like God visions for your life or, or see what God sees for your life and what's keeping you. Uh, you know, and, and Paul talked about that. He prayed uh, in Ephesians chapter 1. He prayed for the Ephesian church. He says he prayed that the eyes of their heart would be opened wow. and they would be able to see. And I think that that is the beginning part of our, our prayer, the beginning part of where we start with with all of us is we say, Lord, open my eyes because I know they're blinded. I know that I can't see. That's why I'm discouraged. That's why I'm sort of down in my spirit. That's why I feel like I can't get a vision. I can't get a plan. It's why I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels. That's why I feel like that everything's going wrong. Well, it's because your eyes are blinded to what God sees for your life and what God has in store for you. And I know exactly how that happened in my own life is because I was a lot like that lady you were talking to at dinner the other night is that if someone were to ask me when I was a young teenager, what is it you want for your life? And uh, there was, it was just very clear. Uh, I wanted to be in the ministry. That was a passion of my life to be in ministry, to be a husband and to be godly in that role and to be a dad and to be godly in that role. That was my dream. That was my passion. There was nothing more, uh, in my heartbeat than those things. And, you know, as all of us, we start our life. Uh, you know, I got married when I was very young um, and, you know, started a family, was in the ministry, was on staff at churches, and uh, in fact had been pastoring uh, for 16 years and was pastoring a, a church. And on a Friday afternoon, I was served divorce papers at my church. And my wife had had done that, and I went back. I walked back to my office that that uh, Friday afternoon, right before Thanksgiving, and I fell on the floor. I just fell onto the floor, laid my face in the carpet because I knew that no matter what, from this 
from that moment on, my life would never be the same, ever. And I felt like everything I had dreamed and, and for my future, to be a husband, to be a dad, to be a pastor, to be in ministry, all that was about to change. And that was crumbling down. And in fact, a long story short, is that in the course of the next year after that moment, uh, I attempted to try to pastor that church. I attempted to go through the process of all of what that means and, and the difficulty of it all. Um, and after about a year, when all the dust cleared, I am I have resigned the church. I am looking for a job in the marketplace, and I'm being a father to three kids as a single dad, and I'm raising my three kids. My mom and dad come and help me so that I can go to work at night, and then they take care of my kids during the day where I go and work at night. And every dream, everything crumbled and burnt up into ashes. And that's exactly how I felt, is that I did not have a dream anymore. It turned from a dream of the future to surviving today. Yeah. And that's where a yeah. lot of people are right yeah. now, is they're yeah. not dreaming anymore, they're just surviving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's And how many stories do we have in our pews and in the marketplace and in the, you know, everywhere we go, there are countless of these tragic stories where people need to be, they need redemption. They need redemption. Yeah. So tell me what happened. Okay, so you find yourself, everything you'd ever hoped for is gone, except maybe your three babies, you know, your your kids. Yep. What 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 happened at that point? Well, the the there are two sides of this. The practical side is is that um you go through what most anyone goes through in that situation is in that you're you're heartbroken you're emotionally numb. Um, you just you just go into something I call it a psychological and spiritual shock. You just can't feel anything, um, and you're just in survival mode. You get up every day to just live for today, and then to be able to put your head on the pillow at night and maybe get sleep. Um, but I know that it was during that time that I I did the only thing I knew how to do. There's a lot of things that I did poorly. There were some things I did fairly well, but there was one thing that I knew that I knew that I knew was something passionate in my heart, and that is that I took I had a walk-in closet in my house, and uh, because all of my ex-wife stuff was gone, uh, I had this big, big open closet, and I took that that closet and I put a, a, um, a, a music, something to play music and a pillow and my journal and my Bible. And I would go into my, I would go into that walk-in closet and shut the door literally as the scriptures say to go into the closet and, and just, you just push out everything else. And I cried out to God. I cried out literally physically, my eyes swollen with tears. I cried out in my deepest spirit. And I said, Jesus, it is only you that can help me. Yes. And, and I don't know why I, I, I don't know what uh, came over me other than I believe the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. And he spoke to me and he said, I want you to rewrite the Psalms as if 
I was writing them directly to you. So I took the Psalms, and every day I would go into my closet, and I would pray, and I would take the Psalms, and I would rewrite them in my journal as if they were a personal letter to me. Wow. And I put my name in them, wow, and I put good. my circumstances in and I rewrote the Psalms as a means of, of God's spiritual therapy and counseling to my spirit. Yeah, he was, that he was, was my giving only you, hope. He was giving you love letters. Love letters. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I needed him to wrap his arms around me and let me know because bottom line is I thought I was disqualified. Yes. That was the very thing the enemy was using. You're disqualified as a minister. You'll never pastor again. You're disqualified as a dad. Look what how your kids are going to view. You're disqualified as a husband. Look at this. You're, you're definitely not marketable out there on you know, there was just so many things that the enemy had had completely and totally convinced me that my life was ruined. And the only thing I I did, the only thing kept me going was that I had to st- I had to stay alive for my kids. That was that was the reason I, you know, got up every day was for them. Wow, wow! But it was in that moment, it was in that time in prayer that God began to bring me hope again and put my feet on a solid place and begin to open my eyes and take off the scales and show me that I was very qualified because that's what the cross was all about. That's right. That's what Jesus did for me. And I got a fresh new revelation of grace and an understanding of of his love for me. And when you get a glimpse of his love and feel his arms around you, uh, there's an invincibility that comes with that, that you can stand up every day and face every single day with a new confidence uh, so, that, because you know it's not in your circumstances, it's not in people, it's not in your good deeds, your bad deeds. It's not. It's in Jesus and Him alone, and you just stand up and know it's all about Him. That's right. That's right. So you just you just did what we are all supposed to do. We should be doing every day, but especially when you hit a place you don't. So many times people go get in trauma and they run from the church. You you ran straight to God. You ran to God. You just went ran deeper with the Lord. And he began to reveal that even in this terrible situation, he had a plan for you. That's right. So that's right. So let's 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 take it further. Give me some more. I'm loving this. <laughs> well, it was uh, you know I would like to say this is that back to a springboard off of something you said that sometimes when we go through very difficult times we run from the church. I, I will be honest with you. The church had a hard time with dealing with my situation. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the church is not prepared uh, as adequately as we would want the church to be, because I think that inside the church, we are expected to have everything together. That's what it means to be a Christian, is that we've got it all together. Yeah. And having a perfect resume is what makes us qualified. And, you know, the thing is, is that it is uh, the only thing that qualifies us. And I'm speaking to those listening today that may feel disqualified. They've gone through tragedy. They've maybe had some moral failure in their life. They've gone through the divorce. Maybe they were the person who left. Maybe they're the one with the with the, the situation where they wish uh, now they're looking back on their life with some regret. Right, and right. they're carrying a load on themselves. And I want to speak to all of that. And the fact is that it is the cross of Jesus Christ and his redemption. 
redemption and where he wiped the slate clean. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I want to just camp right there for a minute because it helps us to understand that our redemption is not in the church. Our redemption is not in sitting in a chair or in a pew. Our redemption is in Jesus. The the church was birthed for the purpose of being a billboard for who Jesus is and a place where we can find fellowship and a place where we can find security. A lot of things can happen inside the church, but sometimes we think the church is our place where we get redeemed, and it's not. We get redeemed at the foot of Jesus, and we get supported in our redemption right. in the church. Right, and that's what I mean, the support and, and how the church is supposed to operate. The church is supposed to operate, and I've been in legalistic situations where the church wasn't operating the way it was supposed to operate. But the real church, the church of the living God, is supposed to operate as a hospital. And like you said, Jesus does all the work, but we're the arms and the and the hands and the feet of Jesus, and we're supposed to be there to help people and aid people in that rescue. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, I think where the 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 ship began to turn for me was, um, I, I realized that at that point in my life, I needed to just get a job because I was going under financially. I had so much debt and attorneys, and just behind on my bills, and had lost such much so much income. And I was just financially ruined. There was just so much ruin. It really was like a house burned to the ground and all there's left is ashes. And you go, okay, what am I going to do with this? And um, I got a job uh, working for um, a local wireless uh, cellular company. And uh, I remember probably in the first week of getting that job, I went in, I was sitting in my office, and there was one of these successory pictures on the wall where it has like a success quote. And I don't even remember what the quote was on the picture, but I do remember sitting there at this desk and I looked over and on this picture was um, a surfer and it was on the, the North shore of Oahu of Hawaii. And it was this huge, massive, you know, wave. And the surfer was coming down the tube of that massive wave. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak into my spirit. He said, I know that life has crashed in on you like a wave, but now I'm going to teach you how to surf the wave. Wow. Wow. And wow. it was in that moment that I began to ask questions of him. Okay, what does it mean? I do feel like a wave's crashed. I'd said those words. I mean, you know, life's crashed in on me. I feel like a wave has overwhelmed me. I've been just, you know, completely enveloped in a wave that I have no control over. And it was in that in those days, right after that, that God began to speak to me. Uh, in fact, most of the pages of the book that I'm now publishing, uh, nearly 23, 20, uh, 25 years later, 25 years after that, I'm now publishing the book because I feel like that a lot of times people believe that when you start to dream again, that your circumstances turn around in a moment. And that's not what really happens. And the enemy wants to tell us that when things don't change in a moment, that God's not with us. 
And, you know, that's that's a lie of the devil right. uh, because God's working in process with us. And I think that the only way to deal with the process of God working in our life is to stay camped out on the promise that he gave us. Yes. And the Bible says that God cannot lie. And if God said that I'm his son and God said you're his daughter and God said that he has a plan for our life, not to destroy us, but a hope in the future. And if God said it and he cannot lie, then no matter what the devil says and no matter what my flesh says, no matter what my circumstances say, I have to camp out on the promises of God. Now, that is a daily war. That's not going to happen overnight. Yes. Yes. And, And so that's where, again, this whole process of dream again, it was really, okay, Lord, then what does it mean you're going to teach me to surf the waves? And that is a part of what it means to begin to dream again, because sometimes we have to learn a skill, the skill of dreaming. If I were to have to go surf, I mean, we're we're talking in something really ugly, counting me out trying to surf. I mean, I can't hardly roller skate, more or less, to surf. But if you look at surfers and you go look at some of the videos and and even watch them in real life there in Hawaii, it is unbelievable, the athletic skill. that. And in fact, the bigger the waves, the more it draws the surfer. They're attracted to the big waves. Right. In life, we run from the big yeah, waves. When God said there's nothing, he said there's nothing. There's nothing that can take us out if we will nothing. trust in his love. We'll trust in nothing. him. Nothing, nothing, no principality, no war, no famine, nothing can stop us if we are rooted and grounded in what he's called us to do. I want to take a minute and we're going to play a song called uh, Chain Breaker. And I, I want you to enjoy that. I'm going to be right back with Dusty and we're going to talk more about dreaming again. This has been such an amazing interview so far, but we'll be right back with you. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom Save it He's a prison shaking Chains. He's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom A savior He's a present shaking savior If you got chains Oh, he's a chain breaker been living if you receive it 
excited about having Dusty Hammock here with us and we've been talking about Dream Again. He's been giving his personal testimony and how God walked him through that process. So I want to ask you, Dusty, tell me, you know, once you got to the place where, okay, I, yes, this was bad. Yes, I was devastated. I'm, I'm spending time with God. I'm going to, I've got a secular job now. I'm in the marketplace doing a different type of work because I've got to take care of my kids and you begin to dream again. Can you talk to me about that process? Yes. The process is really having to answer some very hard questions. Um, Jesus, in fact, the Bible is full of questions that are quite amazing, and each of them are for the purpose of, of God trying to reveal in us, not not for him to get anything. He's all-knowing, and we all know that. But I, I'll give you an example. Um, he asked Adam, where are you in Genesis 3, 9? Well, God knew where Adam was, sure. but it was a hard question for Adam to answer because Adam was not where he should have been. Right. God had already told him you should be in the garden taking care of it. And now he was running from God. And so the question was really for Adam to identify where are you, and it was a hard question because it forced Adam to deal with a hard, you know, the hard answer. And another, uh, then, then you, I mean, I could go on and on and on of these incredible questions that were asked by God or by Jesus, but Jesus took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi up in the mountains, and he asked them this question. He says, who do you say that I am? Well, that question was hard for me that hard for them at that point, but they were actually sitting in a temple in Caesarea, which is a temple to many gods. It's where the uh, at the foot of Mount Hermon, where the where the Jordan River f- comes out of Mount Hermon, it is there that it was a large temple there, and all the gods of the area said we're the source of the water, which was the only life source for all of Israel was the Jordan River. And there were idols, and there were all these statues that were all in this big temple there at the, where the Jordan River flows out of the uh, bottom of the mountain. And so Jesus takes his disciples. And here they are sitting among all of these idols, and Jesus asked the question, who do y'all say that I am? And now they're looking at all of these different deities who say they're the source of life. And finally, Peter says, no, you're the son of the living God. That's who you are. And that's when Jesus says, you know, flesh and blood does not reveal that to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven. It was in that moment that the question 
was not so that Jesus could get affirmed. He already knew who he was, but it was for the purpose of Peter and his disciples being able to recognize the, the answer to that question was transforming from for them. Right, right. And then, then you get to the New Testament again where Jesus asked the two blind men, hey, uh, what do you want me to do for you? Well, that seems to be a stupid question to ask two blind guys. I mean, the miracle <laughs> worker walks down the road. And, and and Jesus says to two blind guys, hey, what do you want me to do for you guys? And, and of course, they said, we want our sight. And so Jesus says, okay, then you got it. Uh, you know, immediately their sight came back, it says. But there is a story about dreaming again that is probably one of the most fascinating stories. And it's probably where, you know, I want to camp out the longest. And it's found in John chapter 5. And we're probably very familiar with this. This is the story where Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda, right? and it was uh, where you've got the, the five big uh, pillars, a colonnade there. And it says in verse 3, uh, there was a great number of disabled people that would lie there. And it says the blind and the lame and the paralyzed, and they were all there. And then it says there was a man there who had been, um, uh, he'd been paralyzed, or he'd been an invalid for 38 years. And that's where I feel like that sometimes we get in our life where a tragedy happens. It didn't say he had been a cripple from birth. It says for 38 years there had, there had been maybe a period in his time in his life when he was not uh, in, this, in this condition, and then something happened. And for 38 years, he lived in this condition that eventually led him to spend most of his days sitting in this large area in the in the company of other people who were blind and paralyzed and unable to take care of themselves. And they it says that they would sit there until a messenger would come and stir the waters occasionally. And then whoever could get into the waters the quickest and who would get there first, they actually would be healed and yeah. move on to, to their better life. What a hopeless situation. <laughs> Very hopeless. But this man is sitting there, and Jesus asked him the question, do you want to be healed? And again, I think it's quite interesting that Jesus asked a man a question that Jesus already knew he could fulfill, but he was really pressing a man on what he wanted. And I think that what if Jesus were to come to us? And and Kelly, I, I would like for all of our listeners today and all of us, I'm having to do this myself uh, here in the new year. Think about if Jesus came to us and, and just as, as personal as he did to the man at the Pool of Bethesda and said, okay, what do you want me to do for you? And it, it wasn't like a genie in the bottle kind of thing. It wasn't like we give you three wishes and you get to, you know, hey, you get to, you know, hey, I want three more wishes. It, it, it's the fact that Jesus came and said, okay, what do you want? And I think the powerful um, intent of that question is to stir inside of us, what is your dream? What are you dreaming of? Now, for this man, his dream and the two blind guys and their dream was, you know, I have a real problem, and that is I want to see, because if I can see, I'm going to have a lot of potential now. And this man, yes, I, I want to be able to, to walk again. That's what I want to be able to do. I don't want to be crippled. I want to be able to walk. I want to have mobility. I want to be able to work for my family. I don't want to be uh, some, some case that sits around here and begs every day. I don't want to be an outcast of society. I want to be someone that is a man of reputation in my community. I want to sit with the elders at the gate. I want to be able to go home to my wife and be a dad to my kids, but for 38 years, I've not been able to do that. 
For 38 years, I've been a beggar. For 38 years, I've given in to every possible um, pity party. In fact, Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? And he didn't say immediately, yeah, I want to be healed. He didn't. He said, uh, listen, you know, I've not been able to get. He began to blame and make excuses. He says, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. And I think sometimes when we have a tragedy in our a tragedy in our life and circumstances that stole our dream, we begin to live every day surviving as an invalid, spiritually, emotionally, even maybe even physically. And instead of looking to Jesus as the only author and perfecter of our faith and the one who's going to see us through, we begin to identify ourselves and we begin to allow our identity to everyone else to be our invalid condition, our broken condition. Yeah. And we keep telling the same stories over and over again. You, you've seen it before. Uh, you you find someone, hey, how's it going? And they tell a story happened 10 years ago. Yeah. Hey, yeah. what's your new year like? Well, I don't know. You remember what happened five years yeah, ago? They, Everything they, is they, about they what happened the, in the past. Right. They don't have what? the ability to move on because they're stuck in some sort of time warp of a tragedy. Absolutely. That's what causes us to stop and, and just refuse to dream. And so if we're going to dream again, and that's where we want to go today with our with our listeners, is if you're going to dream again, you're going to begin the process. This The first thing we have to do is to take all of the mistakes and all of the bad choices and everything that we've done, and we put it at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I will never allow the dream you gave me to be destroyed by my own mistakes. Right. I'm going to trust today right. that because of your blood that was shed on the cross yes. and the resurrection from the dead, yes, the Bible yes. says in Ephesians chapter 1 that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in us today. Yes. And so that's the first step is to take the mistakes Take the decisions that we've made and say, Jesus, they're yours. They're no longer mine. Right. And now I trust you to be my only hope. Second step. There are things that people have done to us. Our mistakes are things we did ourselves. I mean, right. we just, we just, we were, we were stupid and we paid stupid tax for the stupid things we did. Yeah. I mean, it just, it is what it is. But you know, wounds, those are the things that we were offended by someone else. We were hurt by someone else. Words were spoke over us by someone else. There were deeds done to us by someone else. And I think the second step is we have to take the, the, the deep, deep wounds that someone else has inflicted into our yes. life and say, Jesus, you're the only one that can heal us. Yes. You're the only one. And now I want to just, you're by your stripes, I am healed. And yes. I think that's the next step is we have to let our wounds be taken care of because we don't we can't fix those. We don't have the ability to fix our past. We don't have the ability to fix what we did nor what someone else did to us. And then sometimes we find ourselves not dreaming because of circumstances. And what I mean by that, there's just life comes. Life happens. I mean, I, I remember back in 2008, and the stock market crashed, and people lost their retirement, and people were, uh, they were, you know, going, just really had lost all hope that their future was gone. Well, they couldn't do anything about the circumstances. It happened. There was nothing that could change. Right. And we've had many tragedies. 9-11 was one. There were things that happened that were tragedies. There's people who have had things happen that are just because of the economy, because of the environment that they live in. There are kids who go through a divorce. That wasn't the kid's fault. 
it, it was it was parents who didn't couldn't resolve it was not kids and so you've got circumstances that we just have to say lord i couldn't do anything about it right things you can't but control. it still affected my life right right so now i lay that before you so i i think the first step to dreaming again is we've got to just deal with baggage yeah um here's how i say it if if you and i were going to walk 50 feet we're going to walk the same sidewalk same exact distance, side by side, 50 feet. But you're going to put on a backpack that weighs 100 pounds. The same 50 feet is different for you than it is for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're carrying something. And today, there are people who are walking, and you're going to church with other people, and you say, why does everybody else have a victory? Why does everybody else have a smile? Why does everybody else have a, have a song? Well, maybe they're not carrying the load you're carrying. Dusty, so why don't we get rid of that load? Dusty, one of the things, this is so powerful when you're talking about, you know, uh, committing our failures to Jesus as being part of it, committing our wounds and curses, you know, life happens. When it, when you're talking about wounds and, cur- and, and curses and things that have been inflicted on people and they're living in that time warp. I I was just talking to someone who had been through, uh, she was, her and her husband had been married many years and they were having some marriage problems and they went to a counselor. And in the counselor's office, the, one of the problems they had was that he didn't handle problems like an adult. He handled situations like a child and this was a man in his mid-50s and so the counselor picked up on this behavior and the counselor looked at him and said what happened to you between the ages of eight and ten and the the wife and the husband began to look at each other and then the wife said well he was an orphan and he he's he's, his dad died and his his grandmother couldn't take care of him and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So he ended up in an orphan home. And she said, do you realize that you're emotionally stuck between the ages of 8 and 10 when a problem happens? That's exactly how you act. You've got wow. to go back and, and recognize that and allow the Lord, she was a Christian counselor, to heal that portion of your life so that you can now handle problems like an adult. Because what's happening is it's affecting your wife, it's affecting your family, it's affecting your harmony, it's affecting you going forward. So when you start talking about this wounds, and I am a living testimony of this, Dusty. My sister and I grew up with two alcoholic parents that straightened up when we were six and seven. And then we got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost in our teenage years, so we never lived like the like the devil, you know, we lived for God pretty much our whole lives. But there were situations through my life until I learned this, that I would react like a six-year-old girl or like a five-year-old girl because there was a missing piece in my development because of the trauma we had been through. Mm. And that is so important that when we the Holy Spirit will identify these things to us if we will get in the secret place and then go get the help you need. Go get the, the Christian counseling, find your yeah. mentor. I mean, you know, there's practical and spiritual things that you can do to get through these steps. That's right. So, okay, so now you're working through it. Let's get back to that. 
Well, really, I think where we are is when when someone's laid these things down, let's say the baggage is gone, now there's some practical things we need to do to begin engaging again the God-ordained uh, ability to dream. And okay. the first thing I just would suggest that people do is to say, you know what, I'm going to find a quiet place, which might be very difficult in our current you know, world, but a quiet place is important uh, in that it, it's biblical. Many times it says Jesus would go away to a quiet place or to right. a lonely place or a deserted place. And and I just think sometimes we need to, to remove distractions and noise. And this is a great time to do that. Maybe take out a piece of paper and say, I'm going to write down 75 things that I want to do this year. Wow. Okay. 75 things. Now, what happens at the very first of that begins to happen is people say, well, I'm going to feel, I feel guilty for saying that. And I feel greedy for saying that. People say, you know, well, I want more money. Well, I feel like I'm, I'm greedy for that. Well, I want to be happy. Well, I should be more happy. And everything, you start counseling yourself. I don't want that. You just start writing the things that come into your spirit because the Holy Spirit is going to be involved in your 75. You write them down. It might take you a while because you don't know what to dream for. So here's what I suggest for people who have a, a block because they've not yet been able to dream. They've got to get their dreamer going again. We've got to stimulate that part of the spirit, man, that God gave us is you just begin to write down the things you don't want because that's part of dreaming is the things you don't want. I don't want debt. I don't want to let rage and anger and insecurity rule me this year. I don't want to fight with my spouse. I don't want. So you can start writing some things out of what you don't want. And then after you've written the things you don't want, it might help engage you and say, well, okay, well, then what do I, what do I want? What are the things that I want this year? There's nothing wrong with wanting because Jesus asked the question, what do you want? He asked Solomon, what do you want? And he asked the question for the purpose of not being, again, the genie in the bottle. That's not what he's wanting. Right. It's because if you ask for him to take your life, he's not going to do it. He's going to give you the things that a good father right, would give right, you. Right, right. At the same time, when he asks you what you want, what he's actually doing is saying, will you engage your potential? Will you begin to believe the impossible? When he asked the two blind men, what do you want? And they said, I want to see. Well, what was that? They were asking for a miracle. They were asking for the impossible. Right. And I want our listeners today to start writing on their 75, write some impossibilities. I have, I have lists. I've been a journaler for years and years and years, and I write lists of things that I want from God. And I will tell you, uh, a third of them are not done. Some of them are the things I could have done myself. I just didn't do them. But the things that I wrote down on my list, so many times the miraculous things that were the impossible things, usually the impossible things got done more than the possible. Well, that's because the truth. God will get involved with a person of faith. And that's what dreaming really is. This is where I want to encourage all of our listeners today is to let the dream out of you. It's screaming. That's what's causing some of that stress. You're, it's a dream trying to get out and just release it. And it's not the dead dream that you visit in the graveyard of your mind and you put flowers on that grave and say, I can't go there anymore. That's a dream I had when I was young. No, that's a dream God put in you as a seed. Wow. Now let it begin to germinate. Let it begin to grow. 
and let your heart begin to feel again. Sometimes the bigger the dream, the bigger we begin to feel, oh, well, then what if that doesn't happen? And then disappointment comes in. And disappointment is the thief of every man's dream. Right. That's why when a kid is asked, what do you want for Christmas? They can tell you, ask a 50-year-old, and they say, well, I don't know. It's because disappointment has robbed the ability to dream. And so today, you know, when we begin to pray and begin to call on God and begin to search out, uh, you know, in, in the heart of every person listening today, you know, I think we can begin to call out those things like disappointments, like right. wounds, right. like hurts, like mistakes, like circumstances, the things that have occurred in our life. And let's get rid of some baggage so that when Jesus says, hey, what do you want? We can, like a little child, say, well, Jesus, this is what I want. I want you to restore my relationship. Hey, you know, Jesus, I'd like to have an additional um, million dollars this year. And so what if you want an additional million dollars if you're going to bless the kingdom of God? and, and, and And it's not about storing up. It's about giving away. Be a dreamer of big things. I love And you know what? The dream will take longer than you think it will. It'll cost you more than you think it will. The dream is going to to stir inside of you things that you're going to have to grow more to have your dream. Because sometimes you'll dream something that you're not mature enough to have. And so it's the process of growing up so you can have it. One of the things that I think would be helpful for some personalities, and I fall in this category, you know, uh, I'm, I've learned over the last few years that timing is everything. And you're so right that a lot of times the dream takes longer than you planned and it requires more of you than you, th- than you were originally willing to give. You know, you wanted it, but you find in the course of, the, of walking that dream out that, hey, this is going to cost me more than what I planned on giving up. And I'm going to yeah. grow more. I'm going to have to pray more. I'm going to have to sacrifice more. But the one of the biggest lessons I had to learn, and my personality is, if 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 God speaks it today, I'm doing it three minutes later. And and I tend yeah. to want to run ahead of God. Yeah. And it's been a it's been a lifelong struggle for me, and it's gotten a lot easier in my older age because I've learned some a few things. But yeah. it, you know, a lot of times God will speak a dream. But what we've got, we've got a Joseph route. We, it's going to be fourteen years before it comes to pass, <laughs> you know. And so, and so, enjoy the journey. Work toward the dream. Enjoy dreaming. But you can get so focused too on a destination that you don't enjoy getting there. And yeah. and the characters built in the journey and and the fun. Every goal I've accomplished in life that God put in my heart to accomplish. Every goal. The journey was always actually more exhilarating than the actual destination. Not that I didn't yeah. enjoy the destination. Not that it wasn't great, but the journey. So I think dreaming is is absolutely of God, and we've got we've got to allow Holy Spirit to 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 grow that in us, birth it in us. If we've lost it, we need to be healed. But we also have to enjoy. And, and rest in God's timing, because His timing is everything. Everything is good yeah. in its season. That's right. So, you know, I, I look back over 
this these the course of the years and and obviously you introduced uh, you know, my wife, Anne, who is, you know, uh, obviously remarried. And, you know, I look at how God has restored. Yes. God has restored my, my ability to, to have a family, uh, to children. And when she came in to our, our life years ago and then helped me eventually raise my three children, then we have two children and she's become a mother to all five of my <laughs> children. And she has been such an incredible restorer and God putting her in our life and timing is everything. It is. You know, here, here I am, you know, what I would dream of, uh, you know, maybe you know, 40 something years ago of what I wanted in my life. And now here I am seeing the fulfillment of it. I think that timing is important and realizing that God is very patient to get us where we need to be for the purpose of his kingdom and his purposes in our life. And it's about the growth and the process. So I just want to give people hope that, listen, don't give up on a God who says he will not lie and don't give up on yourself because you haven't been disqualified. God's qualified you by the blood of Christ. Dusty, I really want to say this. Uh, I feel this by the Lord, that God is going to get a hold of this book, and this book is going to go places you never dreamed of, and it's going to be a source of great blessing to you and Anne and the call of God on your life, but it's also going to change millions of lives. And I know how Holy Spirit's going to do it, but Holy Spirit's got a plan, and uh, you just need to rest Amen. that it will happen the way it's supposed to happen. God's God's really positioned you. I really believe that you and Anne are some of the voices that God is going to raise up for such a time as this. The 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 church uh, at large, uh, the body of Christ at large, needs voices that have been through the fire and have come through and stayed faithful to Jesus. So I honor you today. I honor your your uh, love for Jesus. I honor yours and Anne's desire to be a blessing and to be real ministers of the gospel. We honor you today. I want to encourage everyone that's listening to, um, you can, you'll be able to hear this um, whole podcast. We, we repost this. You'll hear this on uh, BPN uh, really soon, and we'll send out when that date uh, is. You'll be able to hear it again. We, we re, re-air these uh, podcasts, uh, the BPN podcast on our Warrior Chicks and um, the different places, as well as hearing them live every Wednesday here on BPN Radio. So I want to encourage you to um, take the time to share this podcast. I really feel like that God is going to use this program to help many. We're going to share it on our Warrior-Chicks. We're going to share it on our Her Voice movement um, So I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to get involved with BPN Radio and listen to the programs. There's so many nights. We're here, so many amazing programs. We're here every Wednesday at 1 o'clock, and we have different guests, and we're just so excited about what God's doing. So uh, I want to pray for you. Lord, I just declare in Jesus' name that everyone that's listening today that has lost their dream, Maybe they lost it through trauma, or they lost it through the cares of life, or maybe they did something to cause their dream to derail. Whatever the case may be, I ask you, Holy Spirit, for healing them today. I thank you, Lord, that you're sending your word out today through Dusty Hammock, and you're healing them today. And I thank you, God, that the the dream is coming alive again. I thank you that you're raising up young uh, men and women that will follow your leading and will dream again with you, Lord. We are making history with you, Lord. And and I, I just, I am so thankful, Lord, 
for what you're doing. I pray blessings on this um, BPN radio audience. I speak the blessing of the Lord on Dale and Jean Gentry and BPN radio as a whole. I speak the blessing of the Lord over Dusty and Ann Hammock and all that they're doing for the Lord. And we just give you the praise and the glory. Y'all have a wonderful day. We'll see you next Wednesday and check, um, go to warrior-chicks.com to get the podcast if you want to re-listen to it. Thank you so much.
For the past hour, you've been listening to The Warrior's Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves as your host. For more information concerning this program, go to bpnradio.com.